And then, of course, there was that thing with the goat, right? So Kirsten and I are basically doing this thing, and we can't understand what... Why are we whispering? Oh, oh, uh, I just want to make sure that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't hear what we're saying. Ha ha, hee hee. Um, uh-oh. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. You just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Coming at you from beautiful BC This is Left of the Valley My name is Kevin And whenever I'm in trouble I think, what would Jesus do? So I pretend to be dead and disappear for three days Oh my god that, that, I do that too I totally do that too <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team Who never really grows up They just learn how to act in public Oh, yeah, that's that, us. That's surprisingly true for me, though. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> she always borrows money from pessimists because they don't expect it back. Nancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has a clear conscience, probably because she has a bad memory. <laughs> also very true. <laughs> Ladies, welcome back. Hope you had a great week. It's been hard. Uh, Without Kirsten. Yeah, I hope she didn't land too bad after we catapulted her. Yeah, well, she made it over the Rockies. (laughs) That was a good catapult. It was. It it was very good. She should have sent up a flare so we would know, right? (laughs) Yeah, send up a flare once you land. (laughs) So today we're going to have an interesting, uh, kind of a political show. We'll be talking to Jeremy Montanez and Michael Sparks. And we'll be talking about Bernie Sanders. Michael Sparks is an avid defender and support of Bernie Sanders and Jerry Montanez thinks that basically he's a Bernie bot. Really? So, oh. Well, not oh, necessarily I'm so not necessarily Michael himself, but you know, he'd like to take on a yeah. quote unquote Bernie supporter. So okay, I'm well excited. let's put you two Well, it'll be more than one because I also love Bernie. Well this is the thing, right? Okay. I, I, I want this to be, you know, I think I, I think I'm pretty sure you'll help Michael. So I'm also a Bernie well, supporter, but, but is, what I'm gonna do I is I also love Elizabeth Warren. That's so, fine. like, I don't know who I would vote for if I was American. So, Elizabeth I'm going to play the Bernie. role of the devil's advocate here because I don't want Jeremy to be just piled on yeah, by, totally. by, by us who are mostly mm-hmm. of us are Bernie supporters. Well, the interesting thing is where Bernie is in the polls mm-hmm. right now. Well, so, I think that... I think I those polls what, with a grain of salt, yeah. <laughs> especially since oh, 2016. It's so, it's so early. For yes. the American yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. election. And it's so funny, too, because <laughs> the Americans are always in election mode. We have an election in less than three months, I think. I literally still don't <laughs> yeah. know who's and running. There's no sign, nothing. Nobody talks about it I have, yet. I have no idea who's running. It's federally. It's the same thing. Well, but, like, I know the prime minister is, yeah. but I'm like, I don't know who the oppo- opposition is. Well, uh, Andrew Scheer is the leader of the conservatives. Gross. Yes. And uh, Jasmine Singh is the NDP guy. Okay. And Elizabeth May is the uh, Green Party leader. I love her. Yes. She's wonderful. And we we'll, won't we'll talk about the block coming because that really makes no sense yeah, for us no, to talk about. <laughs> but anyway, stupid. before that, uh, let's get into our chit chat. 
So uh, this is Pride Month, and uh, speaking of politics, and uh, and uh, did you guys see the picture, the the photo of Justin Trudeau, Elizabeth May, and Jasmine mm-hmm. Singh in the parade? Yeah, I was thinking of that just as uh, Christina was mm-hmm. asking who was running. Th- that's the that's the photo that came immediately to mind. Now, if you're if you're an American listener, look that up. Look that up because th- this picture shows exactly what leaders should be. You have three leaders standing together. They're like. Politically, they're opposite, right? They're mm-hmm. each, you know, vow for the I wouldn't say they're opposite. Okay, fine. Well, you know, they're not in the same... They represent different parties. Exactly. Of they represent different parties. Yeah. But they are, they're standing together in the parade, all three of them, and there is no um, political paraphernalia. No. There is no, like, no. red banner of the liberals or a green party uh, flag or anything like that. It's just them enjoying having a good time in the parade. And, of course, you can't help but say... Who's missing from this parade? Yeah. Well, the conservative. The conservatives, of course. Of course. Andrew Scheer can't do that because God knows Jesus might say that no. Would be, that might be an endorsement. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right? the horror. You wouldn't want the KKK to turn his back on that. Yeah. Right? So, anyway. Look it up. I think, I think it's a very good example of you know what politicians should do. Instead of just constantly fighting against another mm-hmm. once, uh, one another like that. Uh, okay. Did you guys hear the story about uh, this police, uh, these two policemen in Texas? Uh, and they're apologizing for uh, leading a black man down the street with a rope. This? And uh, these guys are on horseback. Disgusting. And this guy's got his hands, he's cuffed by his hands behind his back. And he's got a rope attached to it. And they're kind of like. It's, <laughs> it's literally, a horrible uh, image. It is literally right out of slavery time. Yes. There, are, there are images. From when slavery was yes, still there, exactly where the police, because the interesting thing is, the police and states were actually originally for catching slaves. The kind of the kind of thing you see in a western, you know, well, is he's dragging the the, the so prisoner disgusting. behind. Yeah, and, and it then, is so unbelievably it was, and reprehensible. Then, like, and how the do you do this? You got you got the reason. Well, well, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the uh, the the police chief said it was a quote train technique. And had uh, no, he had no mali- they had no malicious intent. They basically said the proper transport, which would have been like a, 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 a car, paddy wagon, a car. wasn't right. available. Right. Like, Come on, you you didn't have a car? Did yeah. you come and pick this so, guy up? Yeah. So they decided because the, the a, a police car wasn't available. You know, it's not like they were in a city of five hundred thousand. No. And they were at the outer. Re- this was Galveston. You know, which is a Wait, tourist this area. Wait, Galveston? This is a Galveston. Yeah. In Texas, oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and then afterward, actually, the public, uh, um, they had a uh, the police chief was at a meeting, and the public was outraged. You should yeah. be, and and the police chief said, "Well, it was it's training technique, and I'll make sure they never do it again." <laughs> and the public said, "Fire these guys!" Yeah, and the police chief, at least when I saw the news yesterday, was reluctant mm, to do yeah, that. Yeah. That's even worse. That, and, and the man who was arrested was for trespassing yeah, and a, has some yeah. mental issues. I mean, this was... It's not even a hardened criminal. It was, just, no, this, the whole thing yeah. was just... But didn't you know racism or, is done and solved? Oh, yeah. Because they had a black no, you, president. It, it, this goes... <laughs> yeah, this you goes guys. 100% to the feet of the police chief. Yes, yeah, I, to, I totally agree. I totally and agree. who in their fucked up... My, sorry, my swearing... Yeah. Made this a training technique. Yeah. It like, wasn't a training no. like, technique. Like, how... I mean, it, well, for, in 1881, you, it was well, a training exactly. technique. Exactly. <laughs> like, how can you be so 
unbelievably not aware Love of it. anything. Like, I, as a Canadian, saw that and was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, what yeah. are they doing? Well, like, I mean, I, I didn't have, I have no history with that. Like, they, they could have so simply, disgusting. They could have simply stayed on spot two well, and yeah, wait for the next car to be available. That's what you do. Right? I mean, there was a lot <laughs> of things. They didn't have to do this. If, if they had any brains whatsoever, there's a lot of ways they could handle it. Get him in the shade. Yeah. <laughs> it's Texas. There's no way that that would immediately come to mind to any policeman in, well, I was going to say in any policeman in the United States, but we're talking southern states anyway. But, you know, there, this is, it's just totally unacceptable. I haven't heard anything yet from um, black leaders in Texas because that should have triggered every person of color, uh, especially African-American descent in the States yeah. right away. It's like, holy crap, are you kidding me? The thing I is, mean, this is 2019. I mean, come on. The thi- it's yeah. interesting thinking about it because for black people, this isn't new. No, no. For, for a white person, this is like so unbelievable. But for black people, they deal with this every single day. Yeah, this kind and of like, discrimination. Yeah, it's not usually this blatant for other people looking at it, but it's so consistent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it happens all the time. So it's like, I can understand why people aren't, at, like for, for black people who aren't as outraged mm-hmm. because it's like, yeah, this happens. We've been telling you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the only thing I can think of is because of the other news this week, it's sort of, even though it got a lot of coverage, it's just kind of under the radar. Yeah. And I think the outrage is coming, but we may not I hear, so. you know, so. it may not be on page this one. This is a story. Well, it, I, I'm I'm a super pessimist, and I think nothing's going to happen to these cops because well, it's give America. You, I'm going to give you a better uh, I don't know if I could call it black news, but better news anyway. Uh, from Africa, Ethiopia elected their first female president. Yes, they did. Yeah. Uh, so her name is, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Sally Award Zwidi. You're I not. Hope, probably not. <laughs> She's an experienced diplomat, and uh, she's uh, she's also the uh, uh, now she's Africa's only female head of state right now, as we speak. Seriously, yeah, all... of all of all African countries. She's Holy the, shit! Yeah, well, it's still progress, you know. Oh yeah. So uh, she promised to uh, make uh, gender equality a reality in Good. Ethiopia. So let's hope so, because Ethiopia's been struggling for a long time. So we'll be we'll have to keep an eye on her, and you know. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations and good luck mm-hmm. to her. And uh, hopefully her and her team can uh, make Ethiopia a, a, a better place. Make it great again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. You know, in history, Ethiopia was great. It was. It yes. was like, I think, like the one country that didn't get colonized. It, it was also the one country that rivaled Egypt in ancient days, right? Yeah. And it, was, yeah. it was a huge kingdom. Go Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, the Satanic Temple of Canada... Uh-huh. Will he, will hold its first black mass? Oh my God! In Ottawa, go? August seventeenth. Oh, I hope it's fun. Well, it's, black mass is supposed to be fun. Uh, it's uh, basically a black mass involves using traditional symbols and inverting them. Uh, it's meant to uh, create uh, the. Uh, the opposite of traditional mass, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no goat sacrifices, there's Darn. no orgy, and there's no baby buffet either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just upset about one thing. I'm really upset about the, the you whole thing. You haven't been invited? Well, that's part of it. Uh-huh. 
that it wasn't in Vancouver so we could go and be invited. <laughs> so the the uh, the Satanic Temple now is interne- an international movement with over 100,000 members. Uh, there's 18 chapters in the U.S. Um, apparently the uh, the party, uh, the, the Black Mass, there's a $20 admission price to participate in the Black Mass. Uh, if you bring, there's a little charity, if you bring socks for the homeless, they give you $5 off. Oh my gosh, could you bring like five pairs of socks? Well, they, they probably just still gave you five dollars off. They probably don't let you in for four pairs of socks. Why not? Well, I don't know. That's four pairs of socks. What if they're like awesome, like super thermal socks too that are like ten dollars each? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to negotiate that. With I think them. I think I could get in free with that. <laughs> You'll have to negotiate that with them. All right. Uh, moving on here. Um, by the way, I've got something interesting here that we haven't heard in a, in a while. I've got. Actually, this is actually from our patron. Yay! Does he still love us? Yeah, he, he actually loves us, of course. Yay. Uh, let's see, where is it? Um, it says, hey, guys and gal. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Girl, Ga- gals and guy. Gals and guy. <laughs> Thank you for the nice word and appreciating the latest episode, Homeschooling Blues with Brent Lee. Um, great opening jokes. I love the vulgarity as well. Please keep toilet-clogging Christina away from my bathroom. <laughs> He heard the Patreon feed, right? Which you might not have heard in the show. So if you want to hear what he's talking about, you have to go to the Patreon feed, which has a look behind the scenes. Your Patreon, your patron exclusive remarks are well worth it. I can't think of any improvement regarding the content at, at this moment. Um, I learned quite a bit about homeschooling in this episode, and I feel very fortunate to have a had a public schooling experience. Oh, you would, yes. <laughs> Many public school systems in the U.S. get a bad rap in comparison to the quality of an education in private school. However, after listening to Christina and Brent's interesting and also very disturbing experience, uh, they made me feel like I've had it easy. I think I've learned more about Christina in this episode than Brent. Yeah. <laughs> Christina has a tendency to monopolize the what mic, I mean, just a bit. <laughs> what a sweet guy. Yes. What a lovely analysis. Thank you. Big hugs to you. I've had a similar realization that God cannot exist, as did Christina, when he wouldn't answer my simple prayers, like finding my coat. Compared to her praying to find her shoes. I also had a similar experience if in not understanding how to deal with depression when I was a child due to in, inaccessible parents. My adoptive parents had a total of 22 children. Holy fuck! Oh my God. But not, God. not more than 16 at a time. Oh. It feels we had a similar experience with our parents attempting to raise us uh, uh, with see, their limited my, knowledge. My parents didn't even really attempt it. Resources and space. <laughs> and with the constraint of the religious belief. Uh, <laughs> you need to do a show with some of Christina's feral stories. They sound depressingly comical. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> thank you, Thinker215. I really appreciate that. I don't know how I would sift through that to find the funny. <laughs> we, we, need, we need like a, a, a couple of psychologists <laughs> to come on the uh, show and do a deep dive okay, into Christina's but that mind. That would actually be Fascinating. Yeah, and also it's be go it would go way beyond the hour and a half usual show yeah, that we yeah. have. Yeah, but no, a, well, that's a we, marathon we have show. To get, we have to get the dude. We talked to him. Oh God, what was it about? Something a while ago. Oh wow, can you be more vague than that? Yep, I okay. can. <laughs> uh, he was a psychologist in the states. Um, well, we have a lot of psychologists in the states. No, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I can't. Hector I, Garcia. Was that him? No, what was no. her... Um... It's not Del Rey. No. 
No, it was a... Uh... Oh, what were we talking to him about? No, it'll come back to you. I know he's, he specializes in mindfulness. Oh, yeah, I'll come back but to we didn't there. talk to him about that. Anyway, oh, if God. you also want to find <laughs> out what that toilet clogging joke was all about, <laughs> you need to follow our Patreon feed, oh. and for that you need to become a patron, and you can follow us on uh, Patreon slash LATV, and you too can have an incredible set of genitals like Freethinker215. Yep. Yeah, if you definitely Offer like not necessarily to valid our, if you if become our, a patron. If you enjoy our banter, you get lots <laughs> of extra banter. <laughs> yes. Lots of behind-the-scene kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So, moving on. All right. Well, joining us for a very special top ten is our returning champion, Dr. Ben Davis, a PhD nuclear physicist and an MS in nuclear astrophysics, a scientist, a teacher, a skeptic, and critical thinker, and a science evangelist. <laughs> oh, Dr. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Nancy. I like how your intro list gets longer and longer every time I come home. Oh, you have no idea. I've got three. I just... I just turn it down there because Nancy just gave me about three pages of introduction for who Dr. Ben is I said I can't read all that <laughs> people people have heard Dr. Ben on the show before and they're familiar with the amazing Dr. Ben from Ask Dr. Ben on Facebook Nancy it's your top ten take it away oh goody 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 well the reason Dr. Ben is here is that um, Kevin came across um, his list uh, that is titled 10 coolest things I know and you know, emailed me and said this would make a great top 10 and I agreed with them and I was really enthusiastic and I went to the list and I said well wait a minute this is written in English which is my primary language <laughs> but I, I, so I could read the words but I was just so lost <laughs> and I thought no no the only way we can do this if we have the inimitable Dr. Ben talking about the coolness and I'll just set him up and let him go and we decided Sounds wouldn't like that be great so that's why you're here with us today dr ben well now that's a cool way to weasel my way back onto the show then that's right. i'm kind of happy about that it had nothing to do with the paycheck and the the, the, no. the money we sent you right and nothing to do with right it. <laughs> okay so i'm keeping that with all my internet money you know? <laughs> okay well i guess that what happened was that the list came out of uh, a question that you often get asked, which is, what's the coolest thing you've learned as a scientist? So here you go. You took your pen and you made the list. So we'll start with number 10. How's that? And then we'll we'll build our way up to number one. Okay. okay before we start, though, do you, want, do you want to know what really happened? Yes. I was a guest of honor at a convention, and they had a lunch on Saturday morning for all the guests of honor. And you were supposed to stand up there and talk for five or ten minutes. And, of course, it's authors and uh, entertainers of different types. And most of them stand up there and they talk about, you know, I'd like to thank the Academy and my wife and my kids and, <laughs> you know, the agent and all that stuff, uh, you, you know, like like you see on TV. And I didn't have anything like that. And it's like, man, I don't know what to say for five or ten minutes to just stand up there and say hi to these people. You didn't even thank so, Jesus, I, did you? Pardon me? You didn't even thank Jesus. I did not thank Jesus. <laughs> I did not. Um, and I didn't thank, what, what do you call him, Mango Mussolini? <laughs> I didn't thank him either. Gross. Uh, but yeah, I, I literally, I mean, I don't do the whole gushing thing. I, I don't come from a family or a place where, you know, we do that. We're all a bunch of stoics. And I don't like getting choked up in public. You know, it, it's, it's still uncomfortable to me. Mm -hmm. So I had to come up with something that, 
I thought would be fun to share with everybody at this luncheon. And that's what I did. So this was originally a talk I gave to get out of, you know, having to gush on stage and, and, and you know, wear my heart on my sleeve, which I don't like doing. We're already learning a whole bunch of things. You've heard it here first, folks. Dr. Ben is not a gusher. <laughs> <laughs> on with the top ten. Okay, here we go. Number ten, um, you say... Quantum physics still feels to me like there's more to be understood on a deeper level. That being said, particles really aren't solid, but fuzzy in their behavior. Wave-like in certain conditions, point-like in others, depending on scale. Right. So why is that cool? I think it's awesome. Uh, You know, you do physics and you think of particles as point, you know, pieces of mass, and they're not that at all. They're little statistical variations in space, and they're not solid at all. They're fuzzy little things. Hmm. They don't have a boundary on them. So, so when, when you, when, whenever we do a drawing, for example, of a particle, we use a circle, for example, to represent a, a, a proton, electron, or anything like that. That's just basically to give us an idea of the something there. It's not really the shape of it. Correct. Wow. And electrons are the worst because they're the smallest, so they actually exist in clouds around the atom Uh, if you could actually see this thing it wouldn't look like a point particle in orbit at all it would look like this fuzzy little clouds you know surrounding the nucleus of the atom that's so cool i didn't know that yeah so are is do they have color or are they like shades of gray or what do they when you look at them what how do they appear to you in, in terms of color gradations well see that's the thing is these things are smaller than you know, your visible wavelength of light. Uh-huh. So to ask what color they are is, you know, not a, a non sequitur. You can't even ask that question. That's why you're here. That's why I had problems with the first <laughs> time. You can't view them with visible light, so they okay. don't have a color. Uh, so you cool. know, the only thing you can see, the only thing you can even possibly see them with is an electron microscope, so you have to use electrons to see these atoms to begin with. Hmm. Oh, and if it's an okay. atom from the 1950s, it's definitely black and white. Oh, okay. If it's like the 70s, you yeah. might get some technicolor. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, I, thank you. This is going to be a lesson as well as a top I think so already. For which we thank you. Number nine, particular to nuclear physics, you can read the age of the Earth in the abundance of different radioactive materials in the crust. That was striking to me, you said. It wasn't the original way scientists inferred the age of the Earth. It took modern mining and radiometry to provide the confirmation of geologic theory. It's really satisfying when independent facts come together to form a consistent picture. That's when you know you're really on to something. Yeah. So... So how much you want me to tell you about this? Well, okay, very briefly, because, you know, how do we really know? I mean, it's always been a question in my mind, because we know that rocks, you, you know, you can determine the age of certain minerals, but since the Earth kind of recycles itself, right, it goes back into the, 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 the core and the magma and all that. So how right. do you really know how old the Earth really is? I am actually, we haven't bought tickets or anything yet, but I'm actually planning a trip to Scotland. And one of the reasons that I want to go to Scotland is because that's sort of the cradle of geology, as I understand it. And as Ron White likes to say, I told you that story so I can tell you this story. Back Way back when, in uh, the 1800s, Lord Kelvin estimated the age of the Earth. 
by assuming that it started out basically as molten rock and it cooled down at a certain rate as it radiated energy out into space. And given the temperature of the crust of the Earth now, the Earth must be this old. When he did this calculation, he came out with 300,000 years. Now, that already upset the creationist, right? Because the Earth's not supposed to be 300,000 years old. It's supposed to be 6,000 years old. Or maybe 10 in a stretch. The, the cool thing about that is there, these geologists came along and they said, no way, Lord Kelvin. It, that can be right. There are folds in granite that you can see along the coastline in Scotland. And you can do these experiments and you see these strata that fold back over on themselves. And if you try to push them too hard too fast, they crack. And for this fold in the strata to have, have happened, the Earth must be at least a billion years old. So this is probably the only case, you know, I, I might be a little biased, but this is probably the only case where a geologist ever rightfully corrected a physicist. But, <laughs> you know, they went back and they thought about it and they realized that the Earth's is staying, the interior of the Earth is staying warm a lot longer than it should if it were just cooling down from the heat when it when it was first created. And they figured out eventually that it was all the radioactive material in the Earth. It's, it's, it's like a big nuclear reactor. It's actually keeping the interior of the Earth warmer for a much longer period of time than we originally thought. When that effect was calculated in, all of a sudden everybody realized that the Earth really was billions of years old. So the geologists were right all along. Hmm. Well, they, they need to score one every now and then, right? Just right. to keep them in the game. <laughs> so going back to the radiological data, when, and, and so again, you know, this goes back to the whole debate between creation and science, which, you know, the scientists don't even know they're fighting a war. They're just reporting the facts. But the creationists always get upset over this stuff. Yep. And I was still religious when I was in grad school. And, and I knew some of these things. But, you know, when I started uh, taking classes in nuclear physics in particular, they have these things called decay chains. You know, uh, uranium-238 decays into uranium-235, which then decays into protactinium, which then decays into something else. And all of these decay chains, we, all, we know the half-lives of all of these individual nuclei, uh, all these individual isotopes. And we know the half-lives of these decay chains, you know, and some of them are billions of years. Some of them are 100,000 years. Some of them are half a million years. But when you look at the, the relative abundances of all the materials in the Earth's crust, anything that's part of a decay chain that's less than 4 billion years isn't there. So here you are, you're studying nuclear physics, you're studying you know, the geology of the rocks and, and what's actually in the crust, and you realize that anything that would have decayed away in less than a billion years isn't represented in the crust of the Earth. So here you are proving again that the Earth is, is well over a billion years old using a completely different method than what anybody ever came up with to begin with. Huh. Is any of that making sense? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Moving on. Okay. Number eight. <laughs> Shut him up. Move him on. No. <laughs> here we go. Relativity works. If you accelerate a particle to near the speed of light, its mass and energy really do scale, as Einstein predicted. Short-lived particles really do appear to live longer when moving at near the speed of light. Oh, this is so cool. 
It is cool. And, you know, we talk about the twin paradox, you know, when you get in a rocket ship and you go mm -hmm. near the speed of light and the person that leaves and comes back hasn't aged, but the person that's waited on him is an old man now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's great, you know, in the pop size stuff. But the thing is, is you actually, if you've ever played with the particle accelerator, you really do see these effects all the time. Hmm. They really do work. When you speed up a particle to near the speed of light, it suddenly carries way more momentum than you would expect it to. It's, it's had an increase in its mass. It's called relativistic mass. Uh, if it's got a half-life of a nanosecond, suddenly this thing travels a lot farther down the beam pipe before it disappears than it should, you know, if, if, if it's only going to live for a nanosecond. And that's because time stands still for something moving that close to the speed of light. So all of these effects, as weird as they are, get proven out every day with the particle accelerator. Quick science uh, fiction question, Doctor. Uh, if, if somehow we were so, uh, able to get a ship and travel faster than the speed of light, would we end up actually passing light and travel in eternal darkness? Uh, you would actually... The, the, what most people think, if you could actually do that, uh, is you would actually start going backwards in time. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well. So it'd be a neat way to do time travel, but you know how you would do that. You know the math doesn't bear that out because it's a asymptotic limit. Hmm. Your, your mass approaches infinity, and you can't accelerate something at an infinite mass, right? Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll develop warp drive at some point. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number, <laughs> Moving on. Number seven, as I was originally reading the list, Dr. Ben, this was the one that told me I cannot do this without your <laughs> without your guidance. Here we go. Number seven. This is the one I know that, what's coming. Yeah, this is yeah. Magnetism and magnetic fields aren't real. They're a logical consequence of electrostatics and special relativity because of the moving charges. All this, written in English, all totally incomprehensible. So, <laughs> help. <laughs> this wreaks more havoc with anybody than anything that I say. And every time I bring it up, somebody's like, that can't be right, blah, blah, blah. But no, I mean, you know, it, people think that magnetism is a real force, and it's not. If you ask any theoretical physicist who's into the, you know, the forces, the fundamental forces, they'll tell you magnetism's not a real force. And why? How? How does this work? Well, you know that opposite charges repel and like charges attract. You know, that's, that's electrostatics. That's just electricity. Mm -hmm. Magnetism is, there's a couple of funny, really funny things about magnetism. When you take a charged particle and you shoot it through a magnetic field, it will affect the charged particle so you know that this field exists, this magnetic field does something. And it, but it will actually change the motion of the particle in a direction that's perpendicular or 90 degrees to the direction it's traveling. Now, that's, that brings up another interesting effect. You could have this really complicated magnetic field. You could shoot a charged particle into it, and you could have this charged particle enter this magnetic field, do all kinds of weird, crazy loop-de-loos and all kinds of stuff, but when it comes out the other end, it leaves with the same amount of kinetic energy that it had when it first entered that field. So magnetic fields do no work. They don't ever give something more energy or take away energy, which is weird in and of itself. Because yeah. if you talk about electronics or gravity or anything else, 
nuclear force, they can all be made to do work. Magnetic fields aren't a real field because they don't do any work on anything. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So what's happening? What's happening is you've got moving charges. Magnet- magnetism only exists when you've got a current somewhere uh, of moving charges. Mm-hmm. And you've got moving charges. So when this electron sees, or, or when this stream of electrons sees that stream of electrons, if they happen to be going in opposite direction, there's a relative velocity between them. And it looks like that stream is more tightly pressed together. It's shorter than what it would be from our point of view. That's special relativity. That's length contraction due to motion. Hmm. Because those that stream of electrons is pushed together shorter, it has a stronger field. You know, it, it looks like the charge distribution is actually higher than it really is. And it pushes on its neighbor a little harder than it should. That's the best I can do without going really, really yeah. long. No, no. I'm, uh, I'm starting to think we should have developed this segment into an entire show at this point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, number six, I have it on good authority, one experiment, that antimatter falls up. So if half the universe turns out to be made of antimatter, it's still not going to fall toward us. Right. And the theoreticians, I actually gave a talk on relativity at the last con I was at. And there was one theoretician uh, in the back room just shaking his head violently. Because this is where me and the theoreticians differ. Uh, You know, they think that antimatter and matter, and for that matter, the gravitational force is all in one direction. It's all pulling things in. I remember one experiment that some guy managed to do way back in 1992, and he actually came to Notre Dame and gave a colloquium on it, where he made anti-neutrons in his particle accelerator, and he watched these anti-neutrons, he watched this beam of anti-neutrons go down the beam pipe and actually start accelerating upward against the field of gravity. Hmm. If that's true, I I would love to see more experiments on this. I'd love to see more results on it. But if that's true, that that can have huge implications with things like dark matter and dark Mm -hmm. energy uh, and things like that. Uh, We used to talk all the time back in the 60s and 70s about how do we know the universe is not half matter and half antimatter? How do we know that some of those galaxies we're looking at out there aren't completely made out of antimatter as opposed to made out of matter? Because they're still going to give off the same kind of light. They're still going to have the same sort of appearance. And, you know, this whole dark matter, dark energy thing takes on a whole new light if half of the universe is made out of antimatter and we're clustered in pockets of matter and antimatter and we're repelling each other because, you know, the gravitational field reverses depending on whether you're matter or antimatter. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we'd almost have to redefine our understanding of gravity as well, because it seems that gravity is not affecting it, but actually kind of pushing away from it in a way, right? Right. Wow. And if, if that turns out to be true, that that would explain a lot of things, but you know, any theoretical physicist listening to this show is going to want to shoot me now, because <laughs> that's not in vogue at all. That, that idea is not... It's still it's a fringe not, idea at this point. Pardon me? It's still a fringe idea at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a fringe idea, and I definitely always, you know, rush to 
to point that out. Fair enough. Okay. Moving on. Number five. I think some. I think some words were missing in the first sentence because it doesn't quite make sense to me, which may mean I've got the problem and the and the sentence is fine. But half of all nuclear power in the U.S. Ten percent of the energy market is fueled by repurposed nuclear missiles once aimed at us. Right. So now we get to talk about more concrete things, right? It's, it's not as hard to discuss some of this stuff now. So back at the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, so, uh, okay, I think if you're confused, it's only with the numbers. 20% of all of the power generated in the United States is, is nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Half of the power generated with nuclear power is repurposed nuclear weapons. Okay. So that's where the 10% comes from, half of 20%. Oh, okay. But, yeah, back during the fall of the Soviet Union, the, particularly the Ukrainians said, we don't want to be a nuclear power. So we basically bought 16,000 warheads off of them, shipped them all over here to the Savannah River site, and we've taken apart all of the uh, fissile material in them, and we've made nuclear uh, fuel out of it. And that's what's powering our reactors right now. Cool. Huh. All right. Is there okay. any nicer thing that you can think of going on in the world? I mean, you're literally talking about beating your swords into plowshares here. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, number four. We actually got a positive signal of microbial life on Mars the very first time we looked, which was Viking 2 back in 1976. NASA basically refused to believe it could be that easy. The experiment's designer still stands by the results. Well. Yes. And I love, and nobody talks about this. No, nobody talks about it. It's the first time I ever heard about it. Yeah, I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, you know, 1977, I'd have been uh, 13. Uh, You know, and and they talked about it on the news, and it it got a, you know, it got a big, big hit, you know, on the the nightly news for one evening, and that was it. But way back when, when they first sent the Viking probes to Mars, they— they were keen on finding out whether there was life anywhere else, so they designed, as I recall, four experiments. And when Viking 2 landed, it would you know, take this little shovel and scoop up some dirt, and it would stick it in a chamber, and it would, act, it, it would add basically some food to that dirt with some radioactive tracers in it, and it would look to see if there were byproducts that came off of that dirt that would indicate something was eating that food and giving off, you know, waste from it. Yeah. Okay. And so two out of those four experiments came back positive and said, oh, there must be microbial life in the soil. That's pretty interesting. And then you never heard anything else about it again. And if you go and you Google it up and you try to figure out what's going on, basically it boils down to the fact that NASA, or the people at NASA just couldn't believe their luck. They couldn't believe, hey, the first time we looked for life off of this planet, we found it. We found some indication of it. And the guy that actually designed the experiment still stands by it. He said, no, that's, that's a positive, you know, it's, it's not that it was too easy. It's not that the experiment was too simplistic. It really was a signal for life. And again, you know, there's probably some religious people that got bent out of shape because, you know, there's an indication of, life on other planets, uh, you know, because people used to used to not like the, you know, to have to deal with that thought either, um, you know, but really, we've sort of, you could make the argument that we've known that life is ubiquitous in the universe 
or at least the solar system, you know, for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, number three. I could understand this one, so we're now down to Ooh, my level. Okay. The long fin pilot whale has nearly twice as many neurons in its cerebral cortex than humans, 21 versus 37. That is so cool. That's cool. Yes. Does that even need a discussion, or is the implication no, not, not obvious? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty obvious at this point. All we're, right. We've we've hit kindergarten level, so <laughs> the, uh, we're good. If we could go down to preschool, maybe with the next one, but yeah, I then, think then we're I'll good. understand something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number two, worldwide childhood mortality has been halved since 1990. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. That is really cool and impressive. What, what has caused that? Just better uh, agriculture? Vaccination. That, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, germ theories. So people realize in, in even the remote parts of the world that, you know, you, you don't really want to drink the water if you've been peeing in it upstream or doing other things in it upstream. Uh, so things like that, just, you know, making sure that you boil your water and filter your water and these people are vaccinated you know, as soon as they're born. And, you know, a few diseases have actually been eradicated completely. Wonderful. Okay, here we go. The last one. This is really cool. One scientist, and I hope I don't murder his name here, Norman Borlaug, is said, Sounds to, good have, to, me. Yet, is said to have saved more lives from starvation up to a billion than those taken by every despot we have numbers for. That's, That's a impressive. good one, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. So what did this man do, and how did he do it? He developed a strain of wheat that, and, and uh, no, sorry, a strain of rice, because it was primarily Asia that needed it, uh, that was more abundant and, and, and what do you call that, uh, fruited, gave more fruit or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, uh, than any of the previous strains. So... You could grow more rice in, you know, per acre than you could with any strain of wheat or uh, strain of white rice that came before it. Wow. Cool. Very, very cool. At first, I thought you said a strain of weed. Yeah. That kind of perked <laughs> up there. So what? Well, that's yeah. a different conversation. Yeah, yeah that, that is. And you can come back anytime and we will have that conversation with you for sure. Well, that was our top 10 of incredible things by Dr. Ben. Thank you so much, Dr. Ben, for all this. Oh, it's great. It's much fun. You know what I'd like to do one of these days, Dr. Ben? I'd, I'd like you to do a top 10 on the greatest science myths. I think you covered that at one point in our in, in our in one of our, our podcasts. But maybe we could do a top 10 myths and you could and just We can make, we, make an yeah. entire show so we can yeah. really go in depth. Yeah, that. exactly. That'd be great. Are you, are you so up my, for that? My, yeah. My main handler, you know, on, on the internet, Scott, my admin for the Ask Dr. Ben page, mm-hmm. has been on me uh, to write a new article, and I've been waiting to be visited by my muse. And I think Nancy was just my muse. I think I know what the next article is going to be. I'd love to be your muse forever. <laughs> and it would be my honor and pleasure to do it. Well, well then we have a deal. Perfect. Okay. And if people want to find out more about the amazing adventures of Dr. Ben, you can follow his Facebook page, Ask Dr. Ben. Anywhere else they can find you, Dr. Ben? Uh, AskDrBen.org. There you That's, go. I've got a, got a website now that if you don't like Facebook, you don't have to go through Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Ben. Really appreciate that. 
Uh, it's been a pleasure. Oh, for us too. Thanks again so much. <laughs> okay, well, since, since Kirsten is not here today, let's. How, how about we do one thing that we love? Things that make you go. There's this wonderful little story this week. Now, you guys ever had a lapsus? Like a, a Freudian slip? A Freudian slip? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, enter Don Grunman. He's a California straight pride parade ah, organizer. fuck him. Oh. <laughs> With a rusty cactus. <laughs> hey, you took that from Matthew. Sorry, what? You took that from Matthew, didn't you? From who? Matthew. No. Oh, this one? No? Well, he says the same thing. Oh. <laughs> so, in the city council, Grunman uh, was defending his uh, free speech, quote-unquote, against city councilors, and uh, he was pleading his case to hold a straight pride parade in Modesto, California, when he said this, and I'm going to play a very short clip here. You guys are going to have to listen to it very carefully. It's very short, but it's totally worth listening to. Where is it? Okay. And this is what he says. We haven't done anything. We're a totally peaceful racist group. <laughs> Did you catch that? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> he said, he says, we haven't done anything. We're a totally peaceful racist group. <gasps> and then the crowd just went ballistic. Oh. Oh my God. Of course, Freudian slip, right? Oh. And the crowd just la- erupted laughter to the point that even though he had a mic, he was trying to correct himself and say, no, no, don't clap, people, don't clap. And the people he just like drowned him, oh. completely drowned him. Perfect. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the council hasn't made its decision yet. If approved, it is scheduled for August 24th. But it'd be absolutely amazing if they went ahead with something like that. Yeah, it's a, we're a totally peaceful racist wow. group. <laughs> it's, it's almost, that's almost as bad as Joe Biden being like, well, what was he? Poor kids. And white kids. Exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Are you But he caught himself. Kidding me? But that's him. I mean, that's Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, he does that all the time. Yeah. It is somehow so... we don't get really offended by it. Oh, sure. It is so wonderful when they slip. Yes, because it really is. forth from their. It really shows behind their minds. So, you know, so all these people that say, no, 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 we're not racist. We're not. Which it's kind of funny because after all, the uh, the straight pride parade should be something against the LGBTQ, essentially, not necessarily race. But, you know, it just shows that mm-hmm. these are the same people. These are the yeah. same people that opposed uh, marriage equality or in, in, yeah. intermixing of races, quote unquote, back then and all that stuff. These mm-hmm. are the same, same people. So gross. If you find yourself on, you know, on, their, uh, on, their, on their side, on their team there, I'm sorry. Sorry to say this, but history will prove you wrong, mm-hmm. and you will look at uh, pictures of yourself fifty years from now and say, "Oh my God, what was I thinking? Yeah. What was I thinking?" So. And it's really interesting when you when you actually because I know some people don't understand why the straight pride mm-hmm. parade is so reprehensible, especially so as an LGBT person, mm-hmm. pride is because. We used to have to hide. Yes. We used to be murdered, and we were illegal, and we still are murdered. Yeah. But we... Pride is us standing up and being like, we are not going to be silenced. Like, we're not going to pretend we don't exist anymore. It's a celebration of also being accepted. Yeah. So it's like straight pride. It's like you never had to be afraid to be straight. 
Yeah, you, ne- so, you never so, have to be afraid to wake up in the morning and say, you know, yeah. I'm white. I wonder if my boss yeah. is going to fire me. So when people say there shouldn't exactly. be a straight pride, it's not, oh, you shouldn't be happy and proud to be straight. No, be proud of who you are and be authentic to yourself. But straight pride is taking away what LGBT pride means. Yeah, it's yeah. perverting what it actually is yeah. because the root that pride grew out of is not there for straight people. But these are also the same people that... They, this is too complex of an answer for a lot of them to understand what you're saying there. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But it's too complex because these people think... I didn't think that was that complex. The, no, it's not. But <laughs> these are the same people that drive... At, uh, and I'm taking this from David G. McAfee here. I'm giving him credit. These are the same people that drive uh, in the, uh, the, the Walmart parking lot and say, why the hell do I have to park so far to all these handicapped people around well, the door? No, I don't right? think necessarily. Because no, but, I, I know people... Like, I've had conversations on Facebook with people who are like, oh, no, 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 there should be a straight pride. I'm like, no, there shouldn't be. And it's the people... Every day is a straight pride parade. And these same people are like, oh, I'm not against the LGBT community. I don't care about, like, if you're if you're gay. But it's like, yeah, no, but they're, they, the straight pride parade is not okay. <laughs> like, yes, be happy with who you are. Yeah. Like, nothing against straight people. But it's like, the, you don't need... To have a pride parade, and and to these people that keep saying, I just wish it wasn't in my face all the time. Uh, it will stop. Being, yeah, I it wish will stop being wasn't in, in my face. It, yeah, it will stop being in your face the day that people stop getting killed for simply being gay. Mm-hmm. It will stop. It will, it will yeah. stop. Right. And these are people generally that when you talk about white privilege, they look at you like, Oh well, my no, gosh, I don't have it. I don't feel that way. Yeah. That you know, that's the core of yeah. what this whole conversation is like. You mm-hmm. know, it's like if they called the parade the white privilege parade, maybe they'd get it, but they're not going. No, to get they're it. not doing. All right. So let's take a quick pause, and when we come back, we'll have Jeremy Montanez and Michael <laughs> Sparks one on one. I'm so excited. We'll try to moderate and be as impartial uh, as we can be. Fine. Well, you know. That's fine. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll try to stick with Jeremy there. And it's okay. I I have things I like about Bernie. I have things that I I like about other candidates more. So I hopefully I could be a sounds good. We'll make it fun. Relatively not. Bernie's amazing. He's the best. (laughs) I'll try to hold myself back. We'll be right back. Hi. I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Listen to the Zachary cast podcast, YouTube video, interview program that features me talking to some of the best and brightest in the atheist slash secular slash awesome community. I interview people. We curse and usually drink beer because why not? It's the Zachrilege cast, Z-A-C-H-R-I-L-E-G-E, and I can spell it after two beers so you can too. Okay, just, just think about the Muslims. 
at this moment who are blowing themselves up, uh, convinced that they are agents of God's will. There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they had the right God, what they were doing would be good on divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all the Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is the, is the true horror of religion. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. If you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you're just a Catholic. Our returning champion, Michael Sparks, is with us. He's the, an author and a Bernie uh, Sanders volunteer. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Michael, thank you so much for joining us back at Left of the Valley. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, uh, we were supposed to have a debate today with you and Jeremy Montanez. You've been a, an ardent by, uh, Bernie supporter. And uh, Jeremy wanted to challenge that. But Jeremy's a no-show. So uh, we're just going to talk to you. I don't blame him. I mean, would you? Twenty years ago, would you have showed up to fight Mike Tyson? <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy's already went up in my respect. The fact that he knew not to come out and try to debate against not me so much. Yeah, well, but we're he glad to have you, Michael. Bernie Sanders. Well, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna try to play. I mean, uh, uh, disclosure here. I'm also a Bernie supporter, but I'm gonna try for 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 sake here to play uh, the devil's advocate and uh, challenge you a bit on uh, Bernie Sanders and, and all that's going on. So uh, maybe we should start with uh, give us a quick bio about yourself, Michael, because you've been on the show before. But people that have not heard you may, maybe missed the last couple of shows you were on. Maybe you'd be so kind to give us a quick bio. Before I do that, I want to say, Kevin, that even though you're up in Canada, your vote for Bernie Sanders counts exactly the same as my vote for Bernie Sanders <laughs> here. Oh so we have that in common. Uh, quick bio. Uh, I, I guess the I guess the reason why I'm on the show is because uh, back in 2015, 2016, uh, we went kind of crazy and drove all over the country, 57 cities, canvassing. Uh, and, you know, spreading the gospel of Bernie Sanders. Uh, that turned into a blog, which turned into a book, My Bernie Journey, uh, which we're about to reissue uh, uh, because we want to, we're going to add a foreword in there. I don't know who's going to write it. We've got some volunteers. And, you know, because some people pointed out that the stuff in there was applicable and that could help volunteers uh, going, you know, people who are knocking on doors and canvassing and phone banking and such. So we're going to, re you know, the book's already on Amazon, but we're going to, re-release it in uh in an ebook that people can pick up for like four or five bucks for people that want to read it which we gave away we gave away three thousand copies of oh. the book of ebook for free so you know it'd be you know if i can make five bucks off of that hell yeah that would be freaking awesome <laughs> that's awesome and you buy me some more meat and eggs yeah that's right so give give us give us a quick uh uh a quick show down as to why is it that you're so passionate about the senator from Vermont? Well, I think, you know, it's funny that you asked because I just met a woman earlier today who um, we were on the same wavelength, and she said, 
I think I love him so much just because I grew up so poor. And I think that's, I think that's what it is for me. There's a chapter in my book where I talk about how I was poor and we were on free lunch at the school and how the kids made fun of me and I got picked on constantly for being poor and having clothes that didn't fit. And, you know, and then, you know, you grow up and you're an adult and you learn how to hide your poverty and, you know, maybe even make enough money to not be so poor. And, you know, and then, you you know, I never really uh, saw a politician that I felt like represented me. And this dude, you know, uh, was like talking about poor people and talking about their, you know, and I figured he was just full of shit like everybody else. But uh, I looked back and I was like, this guy's been doing this for 40 years and I mean, you know, I like uh, I like punk rock bands that don't sell out. You know, I like uh, I like I Metallica until they did the Black album. You know, I like real, authentic things. Um, and the, the dudes just, you know, love him or hate him, you gotta respect him because he's been doing it for forty years and he hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what attracted me to him. No, I I totally understand that. I mean, uh, I don't know about uh, you ladies, but I, I also grew up pretty poor. Uh, I can remember this one. Yep. I can remember this one time where I'm playing baseball with the rest of the kids, and literally my pants were so tight that when I started running around the base, they actually split oh right gosh. open. <laughs> they were oh, falling so apart. Right now, I have that. I had that exact same experience because I played baseball like crazy growing up, and yeah. I uh, I'm like, and I had that exact same experience. And did did everybody laugh at you and everything? Oh, like, but it's, it's, it was so embarrassing because you know, very young me. And we're talking like I don't know, maybe I'm six or something like that so I'm trying to run around the bases by clenching my knees together and only having the bottom of my legs Aww. swinging back and forth because my pants are essentially falling off me oh my <laughs> the kids Aww. are laughing and it's pretty much the only pair I had at the time so you know hey had you lived in America, you could have just went and got an AR-15 and killed everybody. That's how they deal with that oh, stuff here. Yeah. You dare laugh at anyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's always too soon for that joke in America. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. to be fair, literally every day, there's another one. I, ju- so. I just saw an article in the Beaverton. The Beaverton, for uh, our American friends that might not know, it's a it's Canadian version of The Onion, if you wish. And then they basically said, the Americas now are going to put their, uh, their flag at half-mass permanently. <laughs> Oh, pretty much. It is. It literally is. I'm serious. Like every day I have to leave the house to go to the grocery or run some sort of errands. And I, I, I've tuned out of the news uh, about a year ago Mm -hmm. and because I just, it just upsets me. And every day I'm like, look, the flag is at half mass. All of them. There's a whole, I see 15 or 20 of them when I'm out. Oh, wow. And they're all, they're all, and I'm like, that is, I, I made a post on Facebook the other day. I said, in America, the flags are always at half mass. And it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's awful. It's, it's, it's horrible. You know, like, okay, so I, you know, I heard that Donald Trump said violent video games, you know, were the cause of the mass shootings. You know, I have the, you know, this radical theory that you'd need a gun to shoot somebody. So maybe the guns are the cause. Anybody think of that? Like, I mean, I see, I see, you know, you, I, I look at statistics and I see how it happens. And like, you know, a guy gets in a fight with his girlfriend and things get elevated. I actually, you know, I lost a very close friend to this, um, three years ago and uh, she got shot in the head and she's no longer with us. And, uh, I don't think she would have got shot in the head if there hadn't have been a gun in the house. Am I crazy or something? I no. mean, it's like, why is that not abundantly obvious? Why can't why can't the vocal 
uh, right, the NRA, just admit that. If they could admit it, I can say you guys could still keep your guns and all, but just admit it's like basic algebra, you know, like uh, three plus G equals dead, mm. you know, it's like solve for G. Yeah. I mean, come on. But, but Michael, you know that common sense and ethics and, and humanitarian, it doesn't count. They're in it for power mm-hmm. and greed, and that as they say, trumps everything else. So you're trying to get them to um, to look at statistics and look at what's happening in the in the U.S. from the um, from a, a truthful point of view, it's impossible. They've shielded themselves from the truth. I don't know whether they'd recognize it if they saw it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, but I mean, this this is probably one of the reasons why I like being in Canada because in the United States you have the right to bear arms, and in Canada you have the right to bear breasts. So let's face it. <laughs> we definitely got that too, man. You got You got to. The, the only reason to go to the Indianapolis 500 is that there's like thousands of people with no shirt on, and it's it's they it's the one place you can go where it doesn't. They don't care about gender. For I mean, really, it's ridiculous. Why can I walk around without my shirt on, and and a woman can't? I mean, like like I my my boobs are bigger than a lot of women's, really. So I mean, seriously. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, but you know, okay, you know what? Though, like, let's let's say this. Like, you say that, and you're absolutely right. You know, common sense. Uh, statistics are alienating. That's one of the first things I learned. I don't when I go when I go to Canvas or something. I'm not going to talk about statistics. People's eyes glaze over. People hated math class for the most part. They don't get it. The statistics make no sense. People make them up. There's so much fake news. Uh, so. I just try to talk to people's hearts, but you know the thing is, is common sense is evaporated on the right, but it's also evaporated on the left. Man, I mean, I don't see, I don't see any, just because I I operate on the liberal side and I'm a socialist and all, I I see a lot more insanity on the left, and it's something I'm very passionate about, and I believe wholeheartedly that this thought policing, political correct yeah. uh, movement is creating the alt-right and uh you know and i i have a lot of conversations with uh with people and i know they mean well but you know it's like i was actually looking at a pinball machine last night i love pinball it's just like a hobby of mine Mm -hmm. and I, i i can't afford to buy these actual machines so i get a hold of the virtual versions of them and there was one um from the 60s that i was really excited about and i bought the virtual version of it and I noticed that a lot of things were edited. Like there was a, there was a dog that had a, that had like a like it was like Saint Bernard, and it had like a barrel around his neck, mm-hmm. and it had in the original one it had an X on it, which I guess indicated alcohol. They had taken the X away. Wow. There was a there was a, there was a guy smoking a cigarette on the original pinball machine. They had taken the cigarette out of his mouth. Yeah. And there was a there was a woman wearing a bikini in the original. They had put like a like a full like snowsuit or something. I mean like. There are people out there, just like you have the vocal minority on in the right, the alt right, the NRA, and they're real loud. Mm-hmm. You got this on the left too, and they're just trying to, and they attack people. They attack comedians for jokes. They want to word police. It's just like 1984, and I think most of that stuff is on the left. And I think it's a serious, serious problem. Professors getting fired. A friend of mine, a close friend of mine, a professor, fired over uh, a student claiming that they were uncomfortable at some of his verbiage in class and the universities don't want a lawsuit. 
So they just fire him. We got we got to stand up against that stuff as well, not just against you know guns, but thought policing as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you you're pushing Bernie Sanders to become the next president of the United States. What is it about this man that really you think why why should he be why not Joe Biden why him over Joe Biden? You know, a lot of a lot of people that follow me will want to castrate me for saying this. But every time people message me and they ask me about Joe Biden or uh, Pete Buttigieg or any of these guys, because, you know, Pete's like right up north of me here. Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of people ask me about him. I, my answer is the same. They're all better than Donald Trump. I mean, like I'm looking at like I'm out in my side yard with my dog. There are piles of dog shit I would vote for if they ran against Donald Trump. Not every pile of dog shit I'm discerning, but a couple of these piles I would definitely <laughs> vote for. I mean, seriously, this guy's like this guy makes me nostalgic for George Bush, um, George W. Yeah, Bush. Yeah, exactly. so, you know. So aside from that, though, why do I like Bernie above? I would. I'm definitely going to vote for Joe Biden if he gets the nomination. I've been beaten down by the system to that point, where I'm like, you know, anybody but Trump. But Bernie, you know, again because. Uh, because he's authentic because he's he's not a democrat democrat's a dirty word to me it's just, you know it's like i said the left and the right are both ridiculous bernie's uh you know he's an independent he's had to take that d next to his name so he could play in the you know play in the in the super bowl but it's not who he is and i don't want any i don't i'm not excited about about democrats anymore after the way they behaved so you know everything his authenticity yeah. the fact that he has real authentic plans that uh, you know that he actually. I looked at his at his proposals back in 2016, and I was like skeptical, and they all made sense. You can you can. It's not complicated. You can make the rich people actually pay their taxes, and then create use that to create government jobs, and we won't have. I, then I can go to the gas station and not have three people ask me for fucking spare change because I'm just trying to get gas. But in America, our homeless are everywhere and we have no plan to deal with the mentally ill if you get sick you get broke he he represents universal health care which is an embarrassment that we're the only industrialized country uh, the wealthiest country in the world and we don't have that because politicians back up legislation from big pharma to keep i mean it's you know how it works it's ridiculous yeah so he he, he opposes all that he's uh you know he's the sex pistols and the dead kennedys rolled into one you know he is he is rage against the machine i mean i love the guy he's how does he how does, i hope when i'm that old i got that kind of fire because well, i don't know if i have it right exactly now that's exactly kind of my point there michael don't you think you know don't get me wrong uh, i want to thank bernie for all the wonderful stuff he's done and i'm not gonna lie you know the platform of 2016 democratic platform uh from all the candidates is essentially what he's been pushing forever which is you know so in a way he's already won but don't you think it's maybe time for him i mean he's what 97 years old now maybe it's time for him to pass on the torch to somebody else he's 116 he lies about (laughs) it he's on he's on the carnivore diet you know so he's just looking awesome and he's got all this energy and but uh in in seriousness though um i i see that side of it but what else you got i mean like joe biden i mean like he's 400 years old i mean like he doesn't even look look healthy i mean like if you seriously look at bernie next to him and you're going to talk about age i think bernie despite years you know we know there's three ages psychological chronological and physiological Mm. 
And in all those categories, I think Bernie is actually, with exception of chronological, I think Bernie is is uh, younger and has more energy. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that can get stuff done. You look at Bernie's uh, legislation. Uh, you, you know, I mean, if you really want to talk about being the, pre- being the president, as Donald Trump has proven, doesn't mean shit. He's got nothing done. He's going to get a wall. Where's your wall, dude? You're going to you're going to destroy food stamps and 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 uh, repeal Obamacare. You know, you've done nothing. He's done nothing. And he's got control of the House, Senate and Supreme Court. If you don't. The reason why I like Bernie is because Bernie doesn't look at the election as the end of like Obama did. Obama mm-hmm. was like. Man, I got I got hyped up over Obama. I really did. I, I mean, I was like, you know, this guy is on fire. And then he got in there, and all he did the whole time was was try to appease to Republican House and Senate. Why wasn't he out there, you know, trying to like get the House and Senate flipped? I mean, it, it, you know that he needed that support, and he was trying to constantly reach across the aisle. Bernie knows. And you know what? Bernie's also, right now, there is something that makes me really want to support him. He talked about it in the first debate. I wrote inside. Bernie Bernie got my book. I don't know if he read it, but he got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote, I wrote a little note to him on the inside. And it said, it helps me to sleep at night knowing that you know that there are no limit to the number of Supreme Court judges that you are allowed to appoint. It's not limited to any number. You could, you could appoint 50 in the first debate, he mentioned this very mm-hmm. subtly. No one paid any attention, but he said, I am not going to appoint additional Supreme Court judges, but I think some of these judges have been sitting there too long and we could reassign them to other courts. So if Bernie takes over, the left is going to get control of the Supreme Court again. Nobody else is talking about doing that. So I, that I alone don't think he can actually be a do that, though. You don't think he could do that? Yeah, because the Supreme Courts are like their lifelong position yeah. so you can't just move people around that's a good question michael how would he do that i mean he, he can't you just he can't I, just tell clarence thomas retire well he said in the debate if you go back um and and, and look at that if i can remember if i can paraphrase his wording he said that there are some stipulations that will now i'm i'm totally taking him at his word uh, i have i didn't go to google and start researching this as i as i once did with everything he said and the reason why I stopped doing that is because I never found that he was ever wrong. I mean, this guy was, you know, his brother, Bernie's older brother, mm-hmm. got him at a very young age into into studying all this. And he was, you know, in the library learning about how the system works before he ever, just to oppose it, you know, just because he was a protester. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know the details. And I, but I, I tell you this, if Bernie, if Bernie says it can be done... Then he studied it. The guy's a nerd. Just that I, I also listened to a, um, a podcast by from a lawyer, and they were talking about how that statement wasn't accurate. Um, okay. but they could appoint more judges, but you can't take a judge off unless they're impeached. Really? What was the name yeah. of the What was the name of the big fat um, conservative judge that died at the golf course? Scalia. 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 Okay. Scalia. Well, we know how that really happened. We know Obama went in there and strangled him with the piano. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Maybe that's actually, what Bernie has in mind. It was yeah. Nancy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Nancy actually, they, they they have to be impeached, die, or resign. Yeah. Those are the only three ways. Yeah, yeah. but you know, you, behind the scenes, you can be kind of quote forced to resign in a yeah. way, right? Oh no! Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, but but I mean, his statement and the fact that he can't—I think it was like 
he'll like in him saying he can just move judges around that wasn't mm. accurate hmm. well that's what he said and so that's that's what i'm saying like it, i don't know how like i said i don't know the ins and outs of that i i um but i am inclined to believe him that if he says he can move somebody to a different court which is what he said in the debate uh and and you listen to this podcast and these lawyers they they said that he couldn't force him to resign or anything necessarily but no, they, no, they no, did no, confirm he, he couldn't them. no they can't you can't well, move can't. the judges no okay so we'll, we'll okay. now we need to bring a lawyer in to answer that question now yeah thanks <laughs> a lot right. you create more work for me <laughs> Yeah, where's so, Neil, where's so Neil Kutcher what, what, when you need what, him? What you're saying is just by Bernie getting that D next to his name now, he's already become totally full of shit. It didn't no, take no, very no. long. He's just like the rest of them. No. All right. The, the thing is, people, especially in the kind of debates that the media put on, which are ridiculous, in the like, oh, here's 30 seconds to tell us something yeah. important. It's buzzing it's, feed. It's understandable that you make slips and... As long as you, after later okay, so, on, so let's put a pin in this it. and let's try to come back to this at a later date. But uh, well, my, before, my, my question before we, before we do that, yeah. can, can I say this? Of course, if, if, if enough people show up to vote in 2020 and Sanders or any or Biden or anyone else uh, in the Democratic Party gets that, gets, gets the presidency, they we will also control the House and Senate. So not who the hell is going to protest if somebody decides to appoint two new Supreme Court judges? Oh, what yeah, are they no, going to no, no. do about it? I, I totally think they should appoint more judges, especially when one of them was stolen outright. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no. So, Winning the presidency yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you guys would get the Senate. No. The Senate is still controlled by the Republicans, isn't it? Yeah, but, it, no, okay, but I haven't looked at these numbers in a while, but but if there's a huge turnout, they can flip the Senate but in the, 2020. Oh, the issue they, they is, can totally flip they can totally so, flip the Senate. Oh, so okay. many states have been gerrymandered that you can win um, by just raw numbers by like 60 to oh, yeah. 40, but the Republicans will still get more seats because they've gerrymandered it. Oh, yes, yes. Of out course. of the freaking wazoo. It goes back to what I've always been saying. But, I mean, by sheer been, numbers, you can't win. It's been yeah. flipped in a lot of what generally happens is, let's say, uh, a, a president gets in and he takes the Congress with him, and then it, in the by-election, uh, everybody's unhappy yeah. with the president, and then you can flip either the House or yeah. the Senate. Well, I, I so think, they, they, they no longer I think have what it. normally happens in the off year is that so many people before Donald Trump became president were so unaware politically and they were like, oh, you know, it, politics will happen and they'll take care of things and they didn't see how it impacted their lives. Mm -hmm. So people would check out. But I yep. honestly do not believe that will happen again for a Donald long time. Is the in best America. thing that ever happened to the left. He is absolutely the best thing that ever happened to the left. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, because you're exactly right. It got like I, I didn't. I most of my friends are liberals, and they we had Indiana set a record in um, 2014, I believe it was, uh, for lowest voter turnout mm. in our state's history with seven percent in the midterm oh my God. seven wow. yeah seven percent you know i'm going around trying to tell everybody you're going to vote you're going to vote you're going to vote nobody votes like mm. on the left so the republicans just continue to yeah. control everything because say what you they will about republicans do. 
they show up mm-hmm. and vote. They always where the left do. shows up when they're inspired. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, that's, and so what's going to once 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 Trump's gone and everything is is going well again, and you have Biden or Bernie or whoever in there. Well, that's the difference. Okay, going back to answer your question, Bernie won't let people return to the status quo. He'll yes, be out there agree. streaming constantly, reminding people to vote, and that's what he does. Yeah. He's well, a move. Whereas these other people are just candidates. One more thing while we're talking about Senate and screwed and how America is screwed up. Uh, we have a, a, a tendency in America, like I'm sure every country has, and that is for people to move where the jobs are, which is to move to the major metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. There, we uh, The people in America are concentrated in um, basically 17 cities. We have half our population, and that's actually getting smaller. By 2050, uh, half of the United States population will be concentrated in 13 cities. That's insane. Um, as, as the way the Senate works, for people who don't know is every state gets two senators and so with mm-hmm. voting power in the senate these 13 so half the population will have the voting power of a maximum of 26 senators while the rest of the country making up uh the other half of the population in the rural areas will have 74 percent of the voting power and that's without even gerrymandering anything mm-hmm. that is a huge problem they have written these laws 250 years ago in the South where they counted blacks as three-fifths of a human, the three-fifths compromise. You can Google that. uh, They're all based around slavery in a time where things were totally different. And now we have the the Electoral College. Trump would not be the president if not for the Electoral College. The same thing happened with Bush and Gore. Over and over again, they're not playing on a level playing field. I'm sorry, but I do not need people with three teeth in their mouth who sleep with their sister to have four (laughs) votes compared to my one. We're we're college educated. You know what? We need to be making the decisions. So we need to do something about these problems Mm -hmm. because America is seriously turning into a third world country. I mean, I see it everywhere. Go to Detroit. Go to East St. Louis. Come to Indianapolis, and you'll see it. We had a friend from Canada visit last year here, us in Indianapolis. She was appalled. She was like, "Why are your roads like this? Why are your bridges like this? Mm-hmm. Why are there totally. homeless people everywhere?" So I'm going to set you up, Michael, with uh, with Bernie, and let me let me tell you how I feel about him, and then you go ahead and and uh, let 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 me know. You know what what your views are wrong. at this point yeah well yes. i don't know whether i'm wrong or not i'm going to set you up for for uh, a, a, a different point of view when bernie ran the first time i was a huge supporter i had listened to bernie for the past five years on tom hartman's show who is a progressive talk show host mm-hmm. and bernie was on every friday and I was enamored of him because I felt here's a guy who is for the people, who absolutely understands the medical issues, he understands the cultural issues, he understands the humanitarianism of, um, of, of what he's all about. He's an old Jewish white guy, progressive liberal. I'm an old Jewish white girl, progressive liberal. So I understood where he was coming from, and I was for him 100%. And I voted for him in the primaries, and I would have, of course, voted for him um, if he had been the nominee. Um, What I feel Bernie did 
was to light a fire. He started um, a lot of things that produced the indivisible movement to get young people more interested in politics. He um, uh, promoted some women to, um, to, to come and vote and, and to get more involved in politics. He got the ball rolling, and I've, I've been a fan of his for, for quite a while. But sometime between the last election and this election, he passed the torch. He really absolutely passed it to the younger, the, the more vigorous people who uh, have a platform, who have policies, and whose ideas have caught fire with the younger people and women. And that's where the, the voting block is going to be this time, I really think. It's going to be with women and young people if you can get them out. I listen to Bernie, and I hear nothing new, nothing really that captures me to say, you're still my guy, I'm still on your side. I am non-politically because I feel as though he can contribute to society in many, many ways, and I give him his due 100%. But I think the timing has changed, the Me Too movement, the, uh, the rise of indivisible plus a lot of the protest and, and what Trump has been doing, I feel the time is ready for a younger, more vigorous, and even perhaps for, for a woman at last in terms of Elizabeth Warren to take over for Bernie, to continue what he's doing, to push toward the left, but to be able to capture the imagination and the hearts more than, than Bernie's able to do this time around. Oh, hold on there. Well, I got to challenge you for half a second there. You, you're saying you pass, passing on a torch to a younger, and then you said Elizabeth Warren. How, mu- how much younger is she than Bernie? Is well, she, or is she? Oh, yeah. She's uh, in her late 60s. And what? He's, how old is Bernie? He's in his, he's in his, what is he? His 70s, right? 70. See, what is he, 77, 78, Michael? Well, you, you, said, you said that Bernie understood uh, medical issues at the beginning of, of, of that. And I mean, and and yeah, because he's 128 years old, he's yeah, had like really yeah. every medical. But Elizabeth yeah. Warren, I believe, if I looked at this a couple years ago, I think she's six years younger than him. Something like uh, that. Yeah. So you can't no, really say but, pass but, on the torch or younger she, when you talk Elizabeth. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. She said Tulsi Gabbard. I would understand that. Well, Elizabeth Warren has a a vigor and a and a, a way of addressing policies. I think that has a more contemporary. But this is all. This is speculation yeah, on my I'm, part, I'm, I'm and it's disagree. worth discussion. I'm, I'm not. I'm not hanging on to it. No, I'm going to disagree know, with you on that. But that's all. Uh, let, let's let's yeah. Michael to see what he has yeah. to say about it. He's the one of any Bernie. Yeah. yeah well, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders is his age is obviously kind of came up last time. It's going to come up this time. Um, what I, I say, he's got to flip that around and use it as a positive. Bernie Sanders is the only candidate running who is old enough to have owned slaves, yet he did not own any. And I, I, think, I think that makes his age an asset. Um, it, it, I'm not going to be crying if Elizabeth Warren gets the Democratic nomination. I'm going to be ecstatic. She is the second best candidate. And I could see, and you know what? Culturally, we absolutely need a woman. I remember, I remember, um, being at a GameStop, which um, I think it's Babbage's up there in Canada, it used to be um, the um, and buying a video game one day for my, you know, my little white children, and uh, 
there was these two black kids in there that had pulled their money, and they were looking at the wall games trying to figure out. One of them said to the other, he said, we could get a better game if we pull our money. And so I looked, I looked at that wall of video games through their eyes, and uh, I was appalled because they, no, they had no representation. And when you don't have a representation as a people... It is a drastic effect. The fact that this country is nearly 300 years old and we've never had a female president does affect me as a voter. All things considered, um, you know, I would be ecstatic if Elizabeth Warren and she, you know, like I'm not saying, you know, I heard Tulsi Gabbard mentioned. I don't I don't know. I mean, I like Tulsi. Um, She's obviously very progressive. But I mean, choosing between those two, I would probably go with Elizabeth Warren as well. Um, I get what you're saying about lighting the fire. He lit the fire, and that's what he wanted to do. The man doesn't seem to be driven by ego at all. And like I like what you said, Kevin, about how, in a sense, he'd already won because everybody was spouting off his talking points. I'm a little concerned with all of them except for Warren, who has an incredible voting record. I'm a little concerned that the rest of them are just spouting off those things to get votes because the whole country moved to the left as a result of, uh, of Bernie's campaign. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um a lot of my support i wrote an article recently you can google it it's called bernie 2020 it's just not the same mm-hmm. and it's, it's basically saying exactly what you're saying it's this is not 2016 this is not 2015 it's not the same in fact it, one of the things that concerns me is in 2016 we were driven by a positive ideology of let's change america let's make america this great country like fdr attempted to make it and now the left is driven by reaction against this alt-right Nazi president that we that we have, that and I, I don't think that's as sustainable. And I think that that lacks, um, you know, the fire is not there because the, when you know you get angry, you get furious about something. Pretty soon you got to calm down. Mm-hmm. But if you're inspired about something, you can stay inspired for months, years, even a whole lifetime. And you're right, Bernie. I love what Bernie said about. You know, once we have equality, I'll write some new speeches. I always think that how I've, I've been to see the man speak in person. You know, I can't count how many times. Uh, and you know, honestly, I don't really need to see that to hear that speech again. I mean, I'll sit there and mouth along with it like it's like like I'm watching a movie I've seen a hundred times. So yeah, it's 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 it he he it is the fact that he's so consistent is sort of a detriment to him because it's hard to keep that intensity up for four years. And I agree with everything you said about him passing it, passing it down to the younger people and the revolution's happening, whether Bernie drops out of the race tomorrow or tomorrow or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of him and Elizabeth Warren, though, I don't really trust any of these other candidates to actually keep, keep their promises. So I'm in agreement with you, uh, Bernie or Elizabeth, uh, Joe Biden, um, seems like a super nice guy. He's had such a tragic life. Um, I, I, he just doesn't seem presidential to me. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Seems like he put his foot in his mouth on a whole lot of times already. I think he's doing exactly what Hillary did. You know, he started out as soon as he announced, boom, he's a front front runner. But the more he talks, the more he comes down. That's exactly what happened with Hillary as well. You know, in 2016, you know, she, boom, she's a front runner. She's the next president for sure. And the more she talked, the more people were saying, oh God, you know, are we sure? Until the, the eventual surprise of Trump actually being here. Well, Tom Friedman, who's a columnist for the New York Times, he's also an author. He's done a lot on, on a lot of. He's, he's with it in terms of of politics. He said that the Democrats have a problem. He said, and their problem is is that they're split between 
being revolutionaries and electability. And unless they choose a person who is electable, they're not going to win, which is pretty stark in terms of their choices. But I think that's that's truly where they are. And to find that candidate who is electable and also has some revolutionary tendencies, I think is is where they're going to end up. This is where I and think Bernie that may is. be Biden, and, and it may be um, somebody you know that that's more of a moderate than than Elizabeth Warren. But at this point, you know they're they're still trying to the, the, the voters are still trying to figure it out. And in the polls, they've got Biden and Warren. And Bernie's slipping. My, Michael said it right. He says the the the, the problem is, is the president of the United States is not about necessarily competence because there is no job like that you can compare to, right? People say, oh, he's qualified or she's qualified. It's not about that. It's about the president has to be able to inspire the Americans, right? And that was the problem with Hillary. She's got the uh, inspiring appeal, although as competent as she is, she can she appeals you as much as a three bean salad as a, at a buffet. And this is what I see with Joe Biden too. He's not inspiring. You know, but Bernie is, you know, who else do you see filling 60,000 people at a stadium like a rock star? Nobody does that. Not even up here. I right right now. I would trade Bernie Sanders for Justin Trudeau, even though his magnificent hair would not sway me because the guy, he's just that good. I mean, geez, that's got to be, that's got to inspire you to at least go to the gym, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's exactly it. The 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 one you you're right about electability, but then they start looking at things that oh Bernie is unelectable because they're gonna call him a socialist. Well, how the hell is he filling all these stadiums with people all the time? If he's unelectable, you know, if, if as soon as people are gonna say oh socialist, people are not gonna vote for him, then why are these people hearing his speeches? Why are they going there? You know, if he's so unelectable, I think you have an elite in the Democratic Party that's ruling, that's really, really concerned about losing their control, and they are not in touch with the average voter. The average voter, in my opinion, it's only worth that much, absolutely is with Bernie Sanders. They they know they, they love what he's what he's saying and they're tired of watching all the other countries in the world, including Canada, surpass the United States. The American dream is no longer in America. It's up here now. And the Americans are tired of this. And you, you know, they, they're tired of this whole, oh, no, no, it's got to be capitalism at all, at, all, at all costs, no matter what. And if you die because you got a hangnail, too bad for you. What kind of a life is this? Well, Michael, do you think Bernie, I mean, it's we all keep saying it's early yet. And Bernie is number three or four, depending on what poll you look at. Do you think he's going to rise in the polls and, and people are, are going to latch on the way they did in, in 2016? Um, I think it's unlikely. Um, I, I watched, I watched the first democratic debate and, you know, honestly, I was not impressed with Bernie. Like if I, I'm, I have this, uh, I don't know where I got it from, but like, I have this ability to like pull on an old Led Zeppelin record and just erase my brain of everything about it and just like listen to it as if I'd never heard it before. Yep. And I, 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 I meditate a lot and I think that it comes from that. And I'm just always trying to see things through new eyes. I even, I even walk around my own city here, which I've lived in for 46 years and try to imagine, like I just went to Philly last summer and, um, and, you know, man, it was so neat to just see this amazing city uh, in such detail. I come back here. I want to I want to see my city that way. And I, looking at Bernie, like if I didn't know Bernie, 
uh, in the first debate, I did, I just thought he was very average. Um, I I actually thought Biden was fairly average. Um, I um, I was super impressed with uh, with Pete Buttigieg, um, although I I I would don't want to vote for him. I thought he was a great debater, though. Um, so no, I don't I don't I I I think that Bernie's got enough support. Here's here's what I think the litmus test has to be. This Donald Trump guy, he's a serious problem. I mean, we only begin to know that we're only beginning to realize what a serious problem this is. I you talked about electability. I, mean, I agree with that a thousand percent. Uh, which is just really just a hundred percent, but it just sounds so much more intense when I add that extra zero. But anyway, the uh, who's gonna who's gonna go toe to toe with Trump on a stage, and and be able to annihilate the guy? And here's what I think: the answer to that is, I think Bernie would just destroy him. He hates the dude. Bernie never gets mad at anybody, uh, but he freaking is furious at Donald Trump and has been for years. And he, he literally, it goes back to. Uh, Bernie's a kid from Brooklyn who lived in the in the very tenements that guys like Donald Trump evicted his parents from, and it's an old and and guys like Donald Trump, these New York prep school kids, would be scared to death of 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 uh, Brooklyn kids like Bernie. They see him, they'd have to cross the other side of the street. They know they get their asses whipped. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Donald Trump never insults Bernie Sanders? He insults everybody, but he doesn't insult Bernie Sanders. Donald Trump is scared of Bernie Sanders. I agree. You get the two of them. On, you get the two of them on a stage. Bernie will annihilate. Trump and it will become very clear to the American people and then the fire will start up again because there's nobody that can debate him better now you know what being fair to the other candidates Elizabeth Warren will also annihilate Trump on a stage how dare him call her Pocahontas how dare him say something like that to her when she's on a stage and he will because he's that fucking stupid let him say it to her face and watch how she but you watch how she responds but you know who else will destroy him Kamala Harris and I'm not a huge Kamala Harris fan but she will destroy Trump one on one so what the Democrats need to be thinking about is get their head out of their ass and their identity politics which they're disgusting with these identity politics and put one of those people on the stage with Donald Trump that will destroy him. It's not Joe Biden. It's not any of these other 52 candidates they're running up there. It's either Warren, Harris, or Sanders because it's going to be who out-debates Donald Trump. And they also have to stop making the mistake of trying to appeal to the moderate Republican. It's not going to happen. They're not going to switch sides. You're absolutely right. As soon as they put that D on their name, they stop listening. Yes, and 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 that's it. That's that's identity politics too, and it's disgusting. Identity politics are the worst thing in America. But you know what? The Democrats are are just in. It's like it's like when you know you go to uh, Hollywood goes to put out a Transformers movie or something, and they they screen it you know over thousands of people, and then they ask them all, well, what did you like? What did you not like? Okay, we got to change this ending. We got to fire this actor. We got to appeal to the most number of people hit the demographics so we can make so much money that's how the democratic party runs all they're doing is looking for i mean they like they, they see somebody like kamala harris they're like oh she's black and she's a woman oh boy you know what that shouldn't be they, 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 that, that shouldn't be the criteria now in harris's case i think she's actually a very strong candidate but they are just looking for a candidate that can hit the most demographics bernie comes out zero curb appeal old jewish dude riles the country up yeah. they don't know they they just don't know how to do it and they keep doing it wrong and that's how you get i mean look at the candidates they put up there john Kerry, al gore oh, no. um i mean i you know in in like the last 20 years i think obama was uh, the only excited you know the excitable candidate that he had and he won two terms go figure yeah, yeah. and the fact yeah. that he was black uh was was you know i think probably 
a bigger hurdle for him to overcome um, because more, I, you know, a lot of Republicans are. I read this book. Oh my goodness! Like the like I the number one search term on Google the day that uh, Obama was elected. One of the top ones. I can't say it was number one. Was the word nigger? Oh, Can you believe sure. that in America that people would search that word? And yes, I use that word because, like Louis C.K. said, to say the N word is just tricking somebody else's brain to think it. Let's let's use the word. Let's say what the word is. It doesn't mean we use it in a derogatory way to hate people. But just to realize that in this country, Barack Obama went against that. Mm-hmm. And he overcame that because he inspired so many millions of people. He inspired me. I took my children, my little babies, when they were just little, I took them with me to vote. Mm-hmm. And I freaking cried when I voted for the guy because I, he was so, you know, his presidency was a huge disappointment. But, man, he campaigned like a motherfucker. Yeah. And it wasn't because he was what the Democratic Party wanted Hillary then, too. Yeah. At least they had a good. At least they had enough sense to get out of the way. Well, yeah, they didn't have enough know. to get out of the way with Bernie, and, and I don't know. Do they learn? Can yeah. a machine learn? Exactly. The Democratic is a machine. So, in in conclusion, uh, let, let's make a, a quick little prediction here. Uh, your prediction: if uh, if what happens if Bernie is nominated, and what happens if he's not? What do you think, Mike? I think if he's nominated, I think he destroys Trump on the debate stage. I think uh, he gets. I think the fire that we saw in uh, 2016 will be nothing by comparison to the fire that you would see if Bernie gets on the debate stage with Donald Trump. I, I, he destroys him in tweets. Uh, Trump is afraid of him. We would see Trump shrink down into the tiny little man that he is. He would. He's like a boxer who'd be overmatched. He'd start throwing stupid punches, stupid even by his standards. And I think the country would resoundingly see, even some Trump supporters, that this guy is, you know, a joke. And Bernie has a bipartisan appeal. Just because uh, those of us on the left, you know, aren't like super fired up about him right now like we were, doesn't mean that those on the right wouldn't be because they really haven't had a chance to hear him speak the way we have or they've had a chance. They've just chosen not to. They see him on a stage um, towering over. I mean, I know they're roughly the same height, but don't you just feel like Bernie's a foot taller than Donald Trump somehow? (laughs) He's definitely got bigger hands and that says something. (laughs) So so I think I think I think if we I think we get Bernie, I think if Bernie gets a nomination, he gets on that debate stage. I think the fire will come back and it'll rage. uh, it, the problem is, is how how do we get him on that stage without that fire? Now, like you say, he's third or fourth. I, mean, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't, what, I, don't, I don't trust these polls because, first of all, these polls have been shown. They what they do is they poll people with landline telephones, and it's usually yep. the older population. The youth is not really asking these polls. After half, half of those polls, the the uh, the the, uh, the eighteen to twenty uh, twenty nine are not even polled. Uh, so I think these polls are really, really to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, uh, if, you, if you're asking people that are 55 and over if they vote for Bernie Sanders, no, a lot of them prefer Joe Biden, and that's why he's on top. And I, that's really, I, my, like I said, that's my opinion about it. But anyway, so if he's not nominated, if they nominate uh, Joe Biden, for example, what do you think happens? I think, I think Donald Trump would, would, um, would win in the Electoral College again. I think he would probably lose the popular vote by... I think it would be very similar... But to what it was in 2016, it's not as if um, it's not as if Donald Trump's uh, viewpoints were found out after he got into the White House. Mm-hmm. 
he made fun of a handicap reporter, which is the grossest thing I've ever seen in American politics. And that's saying something. And that's the most common question that I ask that I ask Trump supporters after I listen to them. Tell me what they like about him. I'll just say, um, how do you feel about the fact that he made fun of the handicap reporter? And I'll I'll actually hold my hand in front of my chest to to, to show the gesture to remind yeah, them yeah, exactly. of the way Trump did. And they can never answer that question. They can, I've never heard anybody say, "Oh well, fuck handicap people." I, you know, because uh, you know you can't dismiss that. I don't know how they compartmentalize this. I think they can. I think they can believe these lies that that Mexican people are bad and all this stuff, and that you need to build a wall. I think they've all been pretty instant, you know, pretty mind controlled to that degree. But none of them can answer that question. So we knew, the left knew what this guy was about, mm-hmm. and they still didn't show up to vote for Hillary. Yeah. So if you put Joe Biden in that same situation, I think we're going to get similar results, and I think we're going to get four more years of Donald Trump. Hey, let's real quick. Why well, I got you guys here. Let's talk weird conspiracy stuff. I think I mentioned this last time I was on. Do any of you think that Donald Trump's going to leave when he loses? Because um, I don't think he's going to leave. I, I don't either. I uh, Yeah, I, I think it'll depend entirely on the reaction of his base. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, another thing I want to add in this, like I said, this is my little prediction. Um, the media is one of the biggest players in all this uh, the, this election thing. And if Bernie Sanders is actually the nominee by, by because the media is going to try double down its best to tear him down uh, i also mm-hmm. think that bernie sanders life will actually be in jeopardy i think there will be some people out there that will actually attempt to to shoot bernie sanders if yeah he's i could totally see that well especially because the media doesn't he's a not yeah. like trump because trump has been amazing for their ratings exactly. well, but all of a sudden you got the quote socialist slash communist nazi which doesn't even make any fucking sense to say that. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, he's he's going to be challenging all of America's uh, apple pie because uh, Bernie Sanders is going to take us back to the, 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 the Red Army, apparently. Okay, here's, here's my take as of today because everything is up for grabs. I mean, we've got the impeachment hearings started. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's early on in terms of the Democrats. But um, here, and if, I, if I'm correct, Michael... Um, I, if, I, if, if what I say is true, I'll invite you, we'll invite you to come on up here and we'll take you to Timmy's, which we call Tim Hortons. We'll get you the meat and egg, all the meat and egg sandwiches you can eat. And, and if you like coffee, they've, they've got the best. So we've got an incentive here for, for my winning. I think the ticket is either going to be Elizabeth Warren and she will choose another man or another woman, I don't know yet, to run with her, or the country's gonna go more, the Dems are gonna go more moderate, and the ticket is going to be Biden-Warren. And I think Biden-Warren will be able to destroy, not so much Biden, but Warren's gonna be able to destroy um, yeah, but Warren, as Biden, we go. Warren's not gonna be, if, if she's in the position of vice, She's not going to go on stage against Trump. That's no, the problem. No, she's going to go with, uh, with whoever's... With Pence, yeah. But that's yeah, right. Her that's per- like her that's debating mayonnaise. Her performance will overshadow and make up for whatever 
Biden is like that. Mm. That's, up, that's, that, that's up for grabs. That's, very that's the way I feel at this point. But um, you know, who knows? This you know, it could go. There are so many variables at this point, and so many ways of destroying mm-hmm. people's careers. It's really hard to say. We'll we'll know next year at, at this time. But that's the way I feel. And the invitation to come up here and join us for Timmy's stance. Exactly, Michael. Thank hey, you so. I'm 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 absolutely going to do that because we have um we we said that you know we just found out that we're going to have this baby yesterday and we said that um yeah come up here the, while you, that, while she's still pregnant the, there so she could be born again <laughs> well the first the first 5 years we said we want this baby to be all over the planet uh speaking to you know learning other cultures and getting educated through um you know, through being around other children around the world. So we want him to come to Canada, Italy, Germany. We were actually already, we're going to Australia, we're going to go to New Zealand. We don't have any money. We'll figure it out. We yeah. always can't figure the money part out. But, uh, yeah, so I definitely will take you up on that. And um, and hopefully by that time, you know, I'll be lean enough and healthy enough to eat one of these amazing donuts. Because I'm, I don't think I've had a donut in 10 <laughs> They've got so a lot I'm of saying. stuff other than donuts. They've got, they got breakfast and um, they've got breakfast sandwiches. They've got lunch. No problem. You'll find something. Seems to me that Michael yeah. Michael needs to write another book and yeah. become another bestseller and get a bit of money and then do his traveling with his kids. Yeah. Well, there you go, Michael. There's your task. <laughs> you, I, know you, I know you've got the Tim Hortons up there. Do you guys also have a Jordan Peterson's up there? I'm no. sorry. I just, just <laughs> bring that back. You know, but okay, okay. You're talking about the debate, and and you know, Kevin, you're absolutely right. You know, nobody cares about watching the vice president debate. Nobody watches that. Uh, although I would, I would be the one to watch it because I would love to see Warren oh, and yeah, Pence. Course. Oh my God, Pence. We're we're in Indiana, so we know we like, like. I think I I I've, I had to protest that guy every other week. He's ridiculous. But um, the, uh, are they allowed to tag? Could like could Biden tag, and then and then she could come out in a Pocahontas outfit and jump off the top rope and just help with smash. Get to bring the people's elbow to Donald Trump. Let's I mean, get ready to I, I, That would be a great debate. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> and then Pence couldn't even it, Trump couldn't even tag Pence if he could make it to the side of the ring because Pence isn't allowed to be in a closed in space with a woman. Oh, his wife there we go. <laughs> That's okay. Pence so is moved. the only easy. the only move but Pence could do anyway is the sleeper hold. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like what I like what you're saying though about about you know like just in terms of you know and like the, the people that follow me online you know uh, they're 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 pretty hardcore like it's Bernie or nobody Bernie or bust and all stuff and and they hate it when I say stuff like this but we got to beat this guy and we cannot endure four more years of this stuff I mean we can't we just can't yeah. in fact I won't if he wins again I'm out of here I'm 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 an expatriate and we've already decided that but but it doesn't matter you can't protect yourself from a dictator who has the world's most powerful military when we already we already colonized half the world with this military and you know who knows what this this guy will do yeah but this but, is, this is a guy who doesn't do his research the reason that donald trump doesn't invade canada is because he thinks that as soon as you cross the canadian border there's a wall of snow like like in game of thrones <laughs> and he thinks it's covered by polar bears it's the only reason he hasn't come up here yet <laughs> you mean it's not no it's not <laughs> oh man that's the secret why i wanted to come up there <laughs> it's a secret though don't spill it <laughs> But but I but I think you're absolutely right when you say um, uh, a, a Biden Warren ticket would would just crush him. It would, and you know I'm sure that's what the Democrats are, are hoping to get. I mean it would because at that point Biden's uh, age becomes an asset because it's like you're you know 
you're probably gonna you're probably gonna get Warren at some point. I mean, the guy the guys from you know the guys you know he's not as vigorous as Bernie. I mean, he's had his health issues and stuff. And so I think at that point, all that stuff becomes an asset and, you know, it would be a powerful ticket and people would vote for it. I would begrudgingly vote for it. I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect any sort of revolution, but I mean, we, anybody who says Bernie or bust at this point does not realize uh, how close this country is to literally having, I mean, they lock, children up in concentration camps yeah. do you not think they will yeah. lock gays and trans people well, in concentration Donald camps as Trump well I mean, come recently on. talked about how they have to is like lock all the mentally ill people up yeah yeah exactly so it's like we're you guys are literally heading that direction yeah exactly. and it's not just immigrants they're locking up they're taking american citizens and locking them up because they don't look american enough yeah, this is like the story of that uh, that fellow that was uh, wasn't he a, a veteran of the army, but he's Greek, and they shipped him to uh, to in the Middle East to the wrong country, and he was diabetic was, and he died. His, par- his parents were Iraqis. Yeah, and, and but they, he he they was Greek. Deliberately right? took they, when they knew that they they were going to give birth, they they took him to Greece so that he wouldn't be Iraqi, and then they they came over here, and he had some mental issues, and so they deported him back to Iraq, which was stupid because uh, that, I guess, was his ethnic background, and he couldn't speak. Yeah, um, he'd never been there. No. He couldn't speak mm-hmm. it, no. and he was diabetic, yeah. and he couldn't get his medicine, and he's dead now. He died. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's tragedy. It's it tragic. Was yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Killed by bureaucracy. He was a Christian, by the way. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you uh, being on the show, and uh, we'll certainly keep in touch with you as uh, the U.S. progresses towards 2020. Uh, if people want to find out more about your book and all that, where can they find it? Uh, My Bernie Journey is available on Amazon. Um, I've been told told it's an um, edge-of-your-seat read, and you know what? Um, about a year ago, uh, I dabbed for the first time, you know, uh, marijuana in a concentrated juice, <laughs> and no one told me uh, that it was about 300 times more potent than a uh, than regular marijuana plant. Okay. So I, sitting around working at my desk, taking about 15 hits off that and i got to the point where i was completely like i was i had ne- i mean i had never i've taken mushrooms and everything and i'd never been that far out of my mind and i was like <laughs> i gotta center myself i gotta center myself because i'm freaking out and i saw a copy of my book sitting on my desk there that i was about to sign and mail off and i i picked it up i was like let me get engrossed in my own book let me read my own book Man, that book was fucking fascinating. I mean, it was so. I was. Carrie walked in and she's like, "What are you? You're reading your." She's like, "Is that a good book?" I said, "You won't believe what this dude went through." She's like, "It's your book. I was there." And I turned over and I looked at the cover and I was like, "Oh my god, it is my book." She's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "This thing. What's in this thing?" Anyway, so yeah, hi Mike. Highly recommends my Bernie journey. Available on Amazon. That's fantastic. Mike, before I let you go, I gotta have to say, hi, this is Michael Sparks, and when I'm not high, I took a lift in the valley. Hi, this is Michael Sparks, and even when I am high, I turn left at the valley. <laughs> fantastic. And that was Michael Sparks. 
Whoa, author of My Bernie Journey. Yeah, what a conversation that was. That's going to be very interesting to watch what happens. Yeah. Um, my bold prediction, if they don't elect, uh, if they don't nominate Bruce Sanders, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And I actually do think Trump has a very good chance of going back in there. But it's my opinion. It's only worth that much. Mm, boy, the, it's my, so hard my, to tell. My dream ticket, I would yeah. love to see Bernie and maybe Warren or Bernie and Tulsi. That's what I would like to see. I like I like the way that Tulsi, you know, supports him, and she's she's got that young factor, you know, as a vice president. So if something happens to Bernie, yeah, then but she's she's got because some was, con- she's got some controversies well, with of the, course. the guys she hangs out with. Yeah, but we can get into that another time. Anyway, we certainly will, and uh, it's going to be interesting to we sh- as. The electoral uh, process starts happening in the U.S. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And we'll have to bring him back and oh, talk yeah. some more about this kind of stuff and what happens and where it's going. And anyway, you know, the American politics are so interesting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, he's a great conversationalist. And he brings so much of himself to the conversation. Exactly, so, exactly. So always a good one. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And thank you to Michael Sparks for joining us. And uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us at leftofvalue.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can help us on Patreon by like our friend Free Th- FreeThinker215 by going to Patreon slash LETV. And you can get a lot of behind-the-scenes look as to why Christina's bowel movements are so interesting. Oh, my gosh! Stop it! <laughs> Give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It helps us. It helps others find the show. Okay, coming up. Uh, next week, we'll have the people of Believe It or Not. That's going to be interesting. And then the week after that, we'll have the people from Secular Soup. Ooh. And then also we'll have, uh, towards the end of the show, the people from Godless Revolution. I love these titles. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Going up in September, we'll have uh, Evidence-Based Eating. The people from Evidence-Based Eating. We'll also have uh, Miriam Heinem and the Vanishing of the Bees. Oh, I'm looking forward we're to that We're looking one. really yeah. forward to that one. And I'll we'll also have a show about called Everyone's Agnostic with Marie and uh, the Free Thought uh, uh, Project. Oh, sorry, the pre- Free Thought Prophet with James McCaffick. I don't know why I keep oh. saying project. I'm yeah. so sorry, James. Um, and October comes around and we'll have a skeptical guide to conspiracy and we'll also have Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey and also we'll have our Halloween special my god we're already wow. we're talking about October already yeah. that's how far in we are at this point but anyway next week Kirsten will be back with us which is wonderful yeah she's taking a hitchhiking back from uh, wherever she was catapulted which, yeah. is, which is great and I just want to give another thanks to Dr. Ben and Michael for yes. joining us at Dynamite Show with both of those men. And we appreciate and love them and, and, and respect both of them so much. Absolutely. They're, uh, they're fantastic guests. And yeah. that's a high caliber of guests that we have on the show. Well, wonderful to talk to them. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. And uh, Kirsten, hurry up back there. Uh, we miss you already. Anything else on your dad? No. All right. Until next time. And believe in their God assigned by your parents I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel have you guys ever seen Owen, Owen Wilson uh, Discoveries Vancouver? Owen Wilson no, Discoveries Vancouver? No. Okay, well. Owen Wilson the actor, obviously. Please do yourself a favor and don't forget this because it's only going to take two minutes of your time. Uh, just type, go into YouTube and type Owen Wilson Vancouver. Okay. And there's a little two to three minute video that is the funniest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we we all, we have this thing where every time every time we are uh, imbibing marijuana, which is every day, 
and we say, you've got the nicest grass I've ever seen, Vancouver, and it's from that video, and so, <laughs> you, seriously, watch You even got the so voice pretty funny. good there. You got the voice of old Vancouver pretty good there. <laughs> Not as good as the comedian who's imitating them on that video. That guy is freaking amazing. <laughs> Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers in their all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful.